In 2011, an earthquake hit eastern Japan, setting records on the Richter scale. What followed was widespread damage, destroying towns and causing mass casualties. On top of all that, tsunamis followed, ravaging the towns and causing even more destruction and tragedy. In a country known for tradition and respecting the dead, what became of all these lost souls? We'll discuss. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought American ghost stories were creepy, stick around, because these tales from the other side will make the hair on the back of your neck stand at attention. This is Necronomapod. We can see something is ablaze there on the ground as this very strange wave of mud and debris with boats included and cars and all sorts of things. It's, it's when you see something like this, Ivan, unfold before your very eyes that you get an idea of why there is very, there's nowhere to run when you have something like that coming so fast towards you. And of course, you know, it appears to be fairly slow when you're looking aerially, but if you're on the ground and that is moving at such a fast speed, you can see the boat there. Um, Unbelievable pictures. There's a building or a couple of buildings that are on fire and are moving with the tsunami. That is just something you just have never seen before. So I watch some of the videos from this uh, earthquake and the tsunami over here in Japan from 2011 is some of the most terrifying footage I've ever seen. It's hard to place yourself in that. It's just, it's horrific watching essentially your whole city life, neighborhood, whatever going by you. Just being destroyed, like a feeling of helplessness. Yeah. Cause there's nothing you can do against mother nature. hundred percent. Nothing you can do. You see your cars, your house just in a, uh, just a mix of water and sludge and mud. And- yeah, like you're watching the ground separate in front of you. Yeah. And some of these, I, I saw a video. I can't remember who did it. It wasn't on YouTube. It was from a website, but it was one of those, like almost the way they, they redo like nine 11 documentaries where like, there's no audio. It's just like the live footage that was captured. Yeah. yeah. And it was all from March 11th, uh, 2011. And it was all just audio or, or video captured with like some some like captions in the video mm-hmm. of people like in their businesses as the earthquake hit and it was like it was six minutes long yeah. the earthquake and it 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 wasn't just like a little rumbling like things are crumbling over the ground is splitting in some places what do you do like where I, I maybe you get out of a building, but even if you're outside, are you really even safe? What if something tumbles on you? What if the ground opens up? Well, then you have that and then the delay until a tsunami gets there. So I, you have to get to higher ground. On like top it's, of that, it's, the tsunami. It's a lot. Yeah. Like before you have time to even realize what the fuck just happened. Sure. Here comes part two. That's absolutely terrifying. Welcome to Science Talk with Dave Mike and Ian. <laughs> For the next four and a half hours, we're going to take you through earthquakes and how that happens and tsunamis and when plates shift <laughs> under the ground. Shifting plates. Yeah. <laughs> Science! <laughs> we'll have Bill Nye in the studio in the next uh, two hours. Bill Nye, the science guy. That was a good day at school when they put on some Bill Nye. <laughs> they still play Bill Nye in school. Do they? Mm-hmm. They should. Good for him. Guy's an American hero. Now, if he ever ran for Senate, I'd vote for him. 
He's all right. Bill Nye, the Senate guy. <laughs> there you go. See? You'd be his campaign uh, manager. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> I would do it. If you ever want to ask me, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm your guy, Bill Nye. It's out there, Bill. <laughs> we'll, we, we'll wait your answer. <laughs> um, so, like, this story is terrifying just in and of itself for the mm. science aspect of it. And there's, like, a whole other level. It was like a phase one with the hurt with the earthquake and then a phase two with the tsunami and then phase three, you know, phase three. I'm not sure it's even the worst part of it. You know, it's actually more of the sad, like a sad part. It of is. It. Yeah, it's sad. And it's a lot of, I guess, a lot of healing after a while. A lot of these ghost stories we're going to talk about tonight. After a while, the people just accept it, that it's not scary. It's just to help these spirits along yeah so sit back for the next hour and a half you might cry you're probably not gonna laugh and you're probably gonna feel pretty shitty about life when we're done so not a lot to laugh about thanks for joining us on this fine sunday afternoon pour yourself a uh hefty glass of cab kick back and enjoy or weed should i do weed mike you do a weed and a wine how about that the wine yeah do a weed do a wine and let the, let the uh, docile tones of Ian Namapod <laughs> drift you off to dreamland where you're probably going to dream about tsunamis and ghosts and earthquakes. Yeah. It's not going to be very pleasant. And then you're going to wake up with a fucking wine hangover. And good luck to you on that. Because that is a headache. I don't love wine hangovers. But I do love wine. I like drinking wine. Oh, too. it's so good. <laughs> hangovers, not so much. Ian's over there. He does no, not man. like the wine. Nope. Yeah, wine hangovers are worse than... Liquor or beer. It's like someone's pawing a sledgehammer in your skull. Yeah. That's all the sulfites and the sugar in there, right? In, uh, I think it was back in in his college days, Teddy Roosevelt, when he was at, I think it was Harvard. I should know that. I'm embarrassed that I can't remember off the top of my head. He got accepted into like one of like the, uh, it wasn't a fraternity, but one of like the secret society. I don't even know if it's a secret society. One of the educational, it was a fraternity ish down mm-hmm. there. And he got drunk on whatever wine they were drinking and woke up the next day and decided, you know what? I'm never going to drink again. And that is why did? he became president and I'm running a dipshit podcast <laughs> because he never really did drink again. Wow. And I admire that. Yet here I am. I don't admire that. He's a quitter. <laughs> I feel like that. And I go, hey. this sucks. I'm going to order some McDonald's or Dairy Queen on DoorDash. And I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to drink again, motherfucker. <laughs> and pass out with the same thoughts. <laughs> watching reruns of whatever fucking Bonanza on TV. And Teddy Roosevelt's going on to, you know, lead the country in the war. Hmm. Going out west, sleeping under the stars, which is just. Unreal to the me. Rough Rider was a quitter, huh? He just ruined it for me. Now <laughs> he did that. quit on the drinking. He was not the drink. Never to be uh, drunk again, huh? I think he occasionally not never be drunk again. Fucking correct. Pussy. I think he occasionally had a drink. <laughs> what a pussy! But did not get drunk. Pussy. I agree. Quitting pussy. <laughs> you know, it's been said that some men run this country being only drunk. <laughs> that has also been, been a thing. So I prefer that. I would run this country drunk. In case anyone yeah. out there didn't know, I'd be drunk. Probably oh, all everyone time. knew. Yeah. Everyone knew. <laughs> no, one, no one had doubts, Mike. Inauguration day. I promise you people, I'm never going to drink. Open a beer while I'm saying that. 
do the Stone Cold salute. <laughs> I was just going, USA, USA. They would love it. This or, country would love it. Or what are you talking like, about? <laughs> I declare to That's you what people. This wants. What? The crowd. <laughs> I promise the United States of America. What? <laughs> That's my that's my USA. It's an electoral victory, my friend, because that's uh, that's what they're looking for in this country. You're not, you're not wrong, pal. <laughs> Unfortunately, you are not wrong. Anyways, we've had enough of that off-air conversation. We can't let it creep in. <laughs> Ian, we got uh get into it. This is going to be sad, but let's go. On March 11th, 2011, a 9.1 magnitude earthquake hit the Pacific Ocean east of the Tohoku region of Japan, which is in the northeastern part of Japan. The earthquake lasted for six minutes, was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan, and it was the fourth most powerful earthquake recorded in the world. You were talking about the videos, Mike. I don't even think they do justice of how powerful I'm sure it doesn't do it justice. And like I was watching like there's people like in office buildings like recording and the build like the whole room is shaking like like side to side. Like you're not even be able to stand up. That's a video and it's terrifying. I couldn't imagine being in that. What's going to collapse on you? What's going to fall? Oh, Where no. do you go? Like you can't get out. Right. The building is shaking back and forth. You can't get out. So the waves reached 128 feet tall which would be right under four school buses stacked vertically and the water's traveling at 430 miles per hour. That's insane. <laughs> People that lived in the areas hit by the tsunami had about eight to 10 minutes of warning time. However, because the speed that the water was traveling, those people had about 50 seconds to react once the waves hit shore because the water shot in uh, six miles inland. Those Real, uh, real heavy waves. So 50 seconds is barely enough time to get in your car and peace the fuck out. Yeah. You're like, not forget about out. packing stuff, getting stuff. And then you're getting out to what? To other people trying to get out. You're not getting any gridlock. Yeah. It's gridlock. And like these videos, it shows the water coming and just taking these cars, people sitting in traffic jams. I saw the person who were filming, they were recording from inside their car as the car gets like taken up on water mm -hmm. and other cars are being crashed into other ones. Unreal. You know, a lot of people bag on Ohio. There's no hurricanes. <laughs> there's no tsunamis. There's no tornadoes. There's very few earthquakes. There's no earthquake. Very few, but they're very low magnitude earthquakes. Yeah. And even the tornadoes, those are the worst things we get. And even those minimal, we're not, we're not Oklahoma, very rarely. Kansas. Yeah. Oh, we get some snow and cold weather. So all you people with your Ohio hating nonsense, it's not a bad place to be in terms of uh, weather and catastrophes. Nothing happens here. That's good Sorry. and bad. We just live our lives. But nothing happens here. <laughs> Although we don't have day, to worry about these things. Ian and I will do an episode on the blizzard that almost took us both out. But <laughs> we'll, we'll save that. This is uh, not happening. We both almost died that night. But that's fine. To make matters worse... Freezing temperatures and snow followed the tsunami. It's really surreal to watch people like yeah. after the water is done, just kind of standing in all this destruction and looking for loved ones and just soaking wet. What but, do you even do? And it's just snowing on top of you now. Yeah. Just a feeling of helplessness. There's nothing you can do in that moment. It's just hard to comprehend. It really is. For people I've like never, us who've yeah. never experienced something like that, just watching it, it 
What do you even do? The videos were giving me anxiety. Yeah. Seeing them because it's something that like I couldn't, I've never experienced. I couldn't imagine experiencing like, oh, there's my car. Nope. There goes my car. Like what if someone's in that? There and there, go. there were lots of people going to see that. them again. That's right. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. but like if you're watching your own car, like, sure. you know, sure. there's going to be, there's going to be kids tracking some of those cars that you just couldn't get out in time. Yeah. Like that's unreal. As of 2021, the total numbers reported are 19,759 deaths, 6,242 injured, and 2,553 people missing, just never found. One of the cities hit the worst was Ashinomaki, with somewhere between 5,000 and 6,000 deaths. The official numbers reported for Shinomaki in 2016 were 3,097 deaths and 2,770 missing. But by 2021 totals, most of those missing from Shinomaki have been declared dead. That's a lot of people in one fairly rural area of Japan. It is, yeah. It's hard to comprehend. In the Reverend we're going to talk about later in the story, Reverend Kaneda, he says, like especially once it started snowing, he was like, I don't, I just felt defeated. Like, why is mother nature so cruel mm-hmm. right now? It's a hell of a turn. Like the earthquake to the tsunamis, to that cold snowing temperature. All those people that might be out there are trapped out there. Now they're in freezing temperatures. People who are looking to go save other people now have to wade through freezing cold water and snow to, you know, find people, survivors. Like, you don't have that in hurricanes. You don't have snow right after hurricanes. Not to minimize. Not, not what, usually, no. Not to minimize what people who go through hurricanes do. I mean, obviously, that's not what I'm doing. But, like, just that change in, in the weather. It's pretty far north in Japan, yeah. Yeah. The tsunami caused meltdowns of three of Fukushima's nuclear reactors. This resulted in radioactive water being dispersed, affecting hundreds of thousands of people. Power being lost stopped the cooling systems, which resulted in heat and hydrogen gas building up to the point that the refueling hall exploded. Oh, okay. So now we have that going on. Like, that's a whole different show. Like, we can't get into all that stuff, but it's not good. No. This is 15,000 dilemmas in one episode, and we're two paragraphs in. Yeah, that that is a whole episode. Like, there's a whole area that's uninhabitable, just like Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole different story. The power outages spread through these areas, and one of the many things that were shut down were the crematoriums. In Japan, it's customary for the dead to be cremated, but because there were no crematoriums working, loved ones had to be buried. Many of them would be exhumed at a later time and cremated, but we know from past episodes about the importance of the afterlife in Japan and how deep-rooted some of those traditions are in rural areas of Japan, like Ashinomaki. Not necessarily religious people. I was reading some polls. They're not, uh, don't believe in any religion. In Japan, fairly. it's like the least religious place in the world. Yeah. But there's but areas that What do you that consider are, religion, though? Right. Yeah. Dale Earnhardt is religion. <laughs> so you shut your mouth. Dale Earnhardt is bad driving. I don't know what you're talking about. Sacrifice his life for you. What was that shirt that you were wearing the other day? It was my Halloween costume. Yeah, yeah. But what did it say? Uh, Raise hell, praise Dale. Yeah. <laughs> I went as I went as a hillbilly for Halloween for that. I had to buy it. I did not own that shirt. I had to buy it off Amazon, but it, it fit. 
Drive bad from the start. Praise Earnhardt. <laughs> it's not what I said. <laughs> um, my favorite is the uh, like that you'll see like a logo on like people have a tattoo, but it's like a tattoo or of course a shirt. It's a three <laughs> with a halo above it. Some angel wings on there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, went for a hillbilly as Halloween. You know, wasn't a stretch, but shaved, <laughs> shaved my uh, my mustache and beard into just a Fu Manchu or some jorts. Not the John Cena cool ones, because obviously those are badass. Like you're not going to fuck with a guy in John Cena jorts. <laughs> but hillbilly jorts, some boots, and cut off my uh, the sleeves off my... Raise hell, praise. We got to the party and people were like, didn't you know this was a hollow dress up <laughs> costume party? Mark? And I was like, no, no one told me. Do I need to go home and change? Like, should I shave my mustache off and just go as like a classy white guy? <laughs> I bought a pack of camel uh, blues. I was walking around with cigarettes all night. There you go. Dave appreciated that though, because I gave them all to him because <laughs> I wasn't going to smoke them all. <laughs> I was actually pretty popular with those cigarettes in my pocket. I might have to do that more often. Just be able to hand people them out. People are low key. A lot of people like those smokers. heaters. They're not smokers. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, oh let me get one of those like, heaters. Oh, well, you got one. <laughs> you know what I didn't buy? A white lighter. Yeah, good, good call on that. Any hoodles. We did that episode just recently about Japanese urban legends, which was really just Japanese ghost stories with the Yuri. But that's not really what we're talking about we're talking about like this this thin veil between life and death where it's just it's not how it is in this country with a completely different thing it's it's so far away from the dead right they're still part of your life they're just it's a little different we did our episode on the ohihara forest which is the suicide forest you know those forest rangers or the park workers remember they they would sleep with the bodies when they found someone out in the forest, they would bring them back to the, to the office and they would stay overnight. And they'd hear yeah. screams all mm-hmm. night in the other room. Yeah. <sighs> but they would stay because Ooh. that's what you, that's do. What you do. It's respectful. Yeah. Their spirit needs, they need uh, to be put at ease from being out there. And those depictions of Yuri in art are fucking terrifying. The Yuri that ran on her elbows, she had no lower half. I didn't. That one still kind of bugs me. I remember me. that. <laughs> that one, that one still really it. creeps me out. Don't love it, dude. I think some about of the that best, story a lot. <laughs> some of the best art ever. You get that tattooed on you, Dave? Oh, I absolutely. I'm calling you out right now. You should get that. <laughs> when I get my 500th episode, you get that. You can't call me on anything. I will get anything tattooed right. on me. I don't care. Your entire uh, left <laughs> arm is open. I think we should start filling it up. Okay. In Shinto region tradition, a person's spirit needs to be cared for after death by its family who must provide a proper funeral, pray at their grave, and return to their grave for visits to ensure a peaceful transition into the afterlife. If that stuff isn't done, the spirit will wander searching for a home that they can no longer reach or attempting to get revenge for pain that they don't fully understand. And that's what started being reported after the tsunami. Mass sightings of ghosts, interactions with ghosts, and in some cases, possessions, as in the spirits of victims of the tsunami speaking through a living person. What about, say, World War II? How do they reconcile that with, I mean, Japanese lost over two million soldiers in World War II. Yeah, there's a, um, there were some, some different college professors and psychologists that something happened here, like the 
the amount of trauma something caused this phenomenon to happen that, I think that, that, make- that didn't happen in other parts of history because they acknowledge that they're like, okay. what, what was different here that mm-hmm. we'll see more. Okay. For a large part of the research for this episode, I used the book ghosts of the tsunami by Richard Perry. He was living in Japan when the tsunami hit. And as he heard stories of these mass hauntings, he decided to research the phenomena. He traveled to places like Shinomaki and started recording stories from people. One man in the town of Kurihara said that he hated to go out in the rain because he could see the eyes of the dead staring up at him out of puddles. There was a fire station that constantly received calls to houses that had been destroyed. And those calls only stopped after the firemen drove to where those houses used to stand and prayed for the people who died there. Uh, There was also talk that he heard early on of the ghost of an old woman that was said to appear in living rooms of temporary homes at a refugee community and sit down for a cup of tea. People said that the cushions she sat on would always be wet with seawater when she left. So the actual physical proof is different. These stories are very different. These are not normal ghost stories. That's another level. Where you're representing that you see a ghost and when you leave, there's actual physical manifestations that they were there. Like a wet cushion kind of thing. Right. Yeah. There were a lot of stories about people would get a knock on their door late at night and they would open the door and someone would be standing there soaking wet. Didn't really say anything or anything. And um, it just kept happening night after night. And then eventually the person living at this house it's like, you guys got, you got to go. You're not, you're dead, you know, and explained it would explain it to these people. So I watched the unsolved mysteries mm. episode on this on Netflix. They represented that. Yeah. Just standing at the door looking for clean clothes or dry clothes. Not knowing that they're dead. Yeah, and the person would bring them dry clothes and they just over and over knocking. And boy, I don't know, man, it's very creepy. And the obvious connotation is they're soaking wet because they, you know, drowned right. in a tsunami. But then they just vanish. Once they know, once they accept that they're dead. That's because the they implication. Didn't, they didn't get the, the proper mm-hmm. ritual, the respect, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these are some, you know, hair in the back of your neck stand-up stories where... Would you let them in, Dave? Yeah, I know you let the black-eyed uh, children in. Boy, I don't know. Um if a soaking wet Japanese person showed up at your door? Yeah, probably, yeah. I, I would. And then when they vanished, it would be a different story and be a little cre- be creepy. Be, like, <laughs> hmm. That's where it would be creepy? Hmm. Not from the beginning, though? I'd probably let them in and be like, hey, or get them a towel or something at least. Yeah. I mean, as a nice human off. being, you'd be like, yeah, here's a towel. I'm a nice yeah. human being, Mike. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. I mean, we're also trying to think like, you know, is the Japanese person showing up here in Ohio at your door? Or if you were over there. This was a local scenario. I would let people in, sure. <laughs> Probably if there was a disaster. Sure. Yes, I think I'd be letting people in. There started being stories from cab drivers. And the, the cab driver stories are the ones that it's kind of unanimous. Everybody that's studied this subject or really looked into it find that these ones are the most credible because they had to keep mileage uh, and press and turn on the meter when they pick people up and they had to keep reports of that 
And when these stories like we're going to talk about happened, the cab drivers were the ones stuck paying the fare. This cab driver said that he used to love his job, especially in the summertime. But by the summer of 2011, the streets that he worked were now dark and quiet. All the homes and businesses and schools that he uh, that he would pick people up from every day were gone and destroyed. While this cab driver was driving through an area that had been hit pretty hard by the tsunami, he was surprised to see a woman waving for him to stop. As he pulled over, he noticed that she was wearing a heavy winter coat even though it was summertime and her hair looked wet, even though it wasn't raining or anything like that. When she got in the cab, she asked to be taken to the city's Minimahama district, which again surprised that cab driver. He told a woman that that area was almost completely empty, and he asked her if she was sure if she wanted to go there. There was a slight pause, and then the woman responded in a quiet voice, quote, have I died? The cab driver turned around to look at the woman and she was gone. She vanished. That shit absolutely Yikes. terrifies me. A lot of those stories like that. Like being in that state. Oh, where you're stuck. Is the the thought of that happening to you when you die? Like, I just don't want to exist anymore. I want to. And now she's. You die. She's, I don't want to exist. She's realizing it. Yeah. The thought of you being in some fucking weird state where you don't know where you are and you're lost. And, Sounds that like is absolutely ter- <laughs> <laughs> side note, but <laughs> I don't, I don't, I just want to go to sleep. I don't, I don't, right. that's, and then that's it. Horrifying. Like, and then that's it. Do whatever the fuck you want to my body. Cause right. That's you're it. Gone. gone. You that's- exist, you're born, you die, you exist for a specific period of time. And you want after you die to be just like before you were born. You don't know that you exist. You don't exist, but this kind of, state like this where you're lost and you don't know what happened to you and it's absolutely terrifying to me i bring it up every time but that uh, a ghost story movie oh, i can't exactly even, i know exactly that <laughs> i can't watch that movie because i know exactly what it is and i can't just, watch that you just stuck. That scares the shit out of me but you like that movie's fucking creepy man. no i'm not watching that because eventually you just kind of Forget why you're stuck. You just start to lose everything. Yeah, no, that horrifying <laughs> that movie is very panicky. It's a good I want movie. my brain unplugged this. and I don't want to exist anymore. That's it. I don't stuff like that. It's awful. And that's not in God's plan for you, Dave. God can eat a fat <laughs> dick. You're gonna sit. You're that's gonna in sit my there. plan. You're gonna no. sit there and you're gonna know. <laughs> nope. Don't want to know. I don't know if you get a say in the matter. Just want to be unplugged. I'm gone. That's it. Same one. I'm. I agree. All the people that probably, you know, what happens to people who commit suicide then? Like they're trying to get away from everything. And then now what? Now they're stuck? I hope hope not. I hope not. That's awful. Yeah, hopefully not. That's very scary to me. No, thank you. I told you guys it was going to be a dark episode. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. Like that's, that's, that's a lot to think about. Another driver told a story about a man who's in his 20s that he picked up who looked lost and the man kept pointing forward when he was asked where he wanted to go. After being asked multiple times, the man said Hiroyama, which was a mountain located uh, not far from Shinomaki. When they arrived at the mountain, the cab driver turned around to find out that the man had vanished. And initially, all these cab drivers said that they were fucking terrified. Like, you know, this guy, for example... 
that's a long drive that he drove. So he mm-hmm. gets up there and the guy's vanished. This ghost has vanished. He's stuck paying the fare. But then after a while, the cab drivers accepted it and they were happy to pick up the ghosts and drive them around and drive them to where they wanted to go. And it's like if they, van- yeah, if they vanished halfway through fine, if they made it to their destination, then vanished a lot of empathy because everyone knew someone that didn't survive this. So I, I you know, I think they saw a lot of their relatives or friends or family or whoever in these people. Richard Perry was introduced to Reverend Tayo Kaneda, who is a 26th generation Zen Buddhist priest in Shinomaki, who by the time Richard met him, Reverend Kaneda had assisted in over 200 funerals for victims of the tsunami. Can you imagine how exhausting that is? Mentally exhausting. Mentally, emotionally, physically. Just yeah. the worst. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you ever lost a job? had a bad breakup, or simply just felt stuck in life? Ever wish life came with a user manual, much like our cars or appliances do? Wouldn't that be great? Lost your job? Turn to page 63. Just got dumped? Turn to page 32. Feeling depressed? That'll be on page 104. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. However, BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. So the next time you're feeling stuck, why not check them out? BetterHelp therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills, which makes therapy the closest thing to a guided tour of the complex engine called you. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, secure, and accessible anywhere, all done online. Therapy can have many benefits, be it learning new coping skills, self-empowerment, dealing with trauma, or even having a clearer mind. Look, everyone deserves to feel their best, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get started. They're the world's largest therapy service and offer all the benefits of in-person therapy, but are more convenient, accessible, and more affordable. After filling out a brief questionnaire, you'll be matched with a therapist, and from there, if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist whenever you'd like. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. So get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Necro. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. One of the first stories Reverend Kaneda told Richard Perry was about a man named Takashi Ono. Reverend Kaneda described Takashi as a lovable idiot. He compared him to a Japanese version of Mr. Bean, which I was laughing. I haven't heard a Mr. Bean reference in forever. Extremely underrated British comedy. Those Mr. Yeah. Bean shorts back in the day are so Mr. Bean's funny. pretty funny. The movies they made, like the big Hollywood you know, ones, eh. Those old shorts were so good. You can find them all on YouTube, I believe, by the way. The old ones? Yeah. Takashi had grown up in frequented areas that were hit hard by the tsunami. But in 2011, he had moved about an hour away. He had electricity, things like that. And he couldn't believe what he was seeing on the news. He said it it just seemed really surreal to him. So It looks real surreal. Yeah. And especially if 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, I don't know, maybe like downtown Cleveland. You, we watch that on the news. We're like, I can't believe that happened there, you know? So he wanted to drive down and see it for himself. So 10 days after the tsunami hit, Takashi, his wife, and his mother drove to see it themselves. Takashi Ono was kind of like yucking it up at the disaster site. Reverend Canada recalled, quote, Ono told me that he'd walk along the beach in that devastated area eating an ice cream. He even put a sign on his car in the windscreen saying disaster relief so that no one would stop him. He went there flippantly without giving it any thought at all. I told him, you fool, if you go to a place where many people have died, you must go with a feeling of respect. That's common sense. That is common sense. Not eating ice cream, just walking around. Yeah. He's sightseeing. Mr. Bean would sightsee, probably. I could see that being uh, an episode. Mm -hmm. Not being disrespectful on purpose, just a lovable idiot. Just being, yeah, completely oblivious. Oblivious, yeah. So uh, self-unaware of what's going on. Yeah. When Takashi got home that night, he sat down for a normal dinner with his wife and his mother and had a couple beers. After dinner, Takashi started randomly calling French just to say hi. Uh, looking back on it, he said that he was feeling oddly lonely. Who does that? Just calls people to say hi. Oh, hey, guys. What's up? Look, I'm going to tell you right now, even <laughs> if one of you called me. You think it was an emergency? Yeah, that's true. I probably would because we don't call. But, like, a lot of times, like, I'm not answering. And then an hour later, I'll text and be like, hey, sorry, I missed your call. What's up? Yeah. Like, don't fucking call me. I'm going to do that. I'm like, hey, Mike, what are you doing? <laughs> but I would answer because, like, if you're here calling with me. with my penis. What are you, what are you <laughs> well, doing then I'm probably there? like, all right. Which field are you looking at? Then at Casey Anthony, we pull the same thing. Let's do this together. <laughs> Teamwork makes a dream work, pal. <laughs> Just rubbing my cock. Thought I'd see what you were doing. Like, I called you. Just I'd give you a Texting call. just didn't seem like it would work today. <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, just rubbing my cock. Wonder what you're doing. <laughs> Well, Dave, I'm doing the same thing, <laughs> incidentally. How about that? Big coincidence, huh, fellow? <laughs> Who are you watching? <laughs> Don't call me. Nobody call me. You're not going to get an answer. Text I'm a, me. I'm 100% calling you tomorrow. But see, I'm going to think it's an emergency. Well, now I'm not. You, you get kayfabe better. But, like, yeah, if you guys call me, I probably like, think it's an emergency because I've, we've established our relationship as a texting relationship. Yeah, I would think something's wrong. Well, Ian, in all fairness, the only times you've called me, you've been 14 miles from home. It's true. When you left a half mile from home. Yeah, so. I've only called you when I have problems. <laughs> like, if I get a call from, from Ian, like, oh, shit, something's <laughs> Going on. That's for real true. Like, it's almost That's like a PTSD. Like if I see Ian caller, you answer that fucking phone. <laughs> oh me, it's lost. So when Takashi woke up the next morning, his wife had already gone to work and he didn't have to work that day. So he just kind of hung out at the house and laid around. When his wife got home, the first thing she said to Takashi was that she was going to divorce him. And he's like, wait, what? Wait, what? What's, what's <laughs> what this now? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> um, and at that point, his wife explained to him uh, what happened the night before. As soon as he got off the phone, Takashi had no memory of the rest of that night. His wife said that as soon as he made his last call, Takashi dropped on all fours and began licking the floor. Then, like, uh, like some kind of animal, he started growling and yelling that everyone needed to die. In front of their house, there was this unkept field, 
And Takashi ran out into the field and started rolling around in the mud and screaming that I'm coming to you. I'm coming over to that side. At that point, his wife and his mother pulled Takashi back into the house where he started yelling about something sitting on his chest and then he passed out. The next day, Takashi saw groups of people walking past his house and they were covered in mud. The next day, Takashi was laying around all day, just almost sounded like he had the flu, just real drained. Mm -hmm. Then at night, he laid down and slept for 10 minutes and woke up perfectly fine. I wish I could sleep for 10 minutes and wake up fine. That sounds great. Yeah, all right. So I can sleep for eight hours. I wake up. I don't feel great. <laughs> a stupid time change. I've been all fucked up the whole week. Yeah, I don't love that. Waking up early. It's terrible. Stop. Stop yeah. the madness. You're right. So after he woke up, after this 10-minute sleep, Takashi walked into his living room, pulled out a knife, and yelled, quote, drop dead. Everyone else is dead, so die. That's intense. So they wrestled him down and took him to see Reverend Kaneda, where he took Takashi to the main hall of the temple. Reverend Kaneda beat the temple drum and chanted the Heart Sutra. Unwillingly, Takashi's hands moved into a praying position and rose above his head. Reverend Kaneda threw holy water in Takashi's face, and at that point he snapped out of it. The Reverend recalled telling Takashi, quote, You have suffered a kind of punishment for what you did. Something got a hold of you, perhaps the dead who cannot accept yet that they are dead. They have been trying to express their regret and their resentment through you. Yeah, you were an asshole. You're touristing through the disaster zone. So. Good thing this never happened to Mr. Bean, though, right? <laughs> that would not have been for, made for Probably a good episode. Ended well, no. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a really dark uh, Mr. Bean episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> would not have loved that. It's possessed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It would be funny if they called you Mr. Bean because you can't find the clit. <laughs> it's one of my college nicknames. Mr. Bean? Yeah. Like, Mostly it was because I did a trick with the bean, but I'm not going to give that away. But <laughs> the ladies loved it. Reverend Kaneda told a second story about a young woman named Rumiko Takahashi. One evening, a car pulled up to the temple, and inside were Rumiko, her fiancé, her mother, and her sister. Her fiance said for weeks, Rumiko had been saying something was trying to enter her body. Was Mike over there? <laughs> Just sitting here minding my own business. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody right now. <laughs> when Reverend Kaneda spoke to Rumiko, all of a sudden another voice started talking that wasn't hers. It was the spirit of a young woman whose mother had divorced and got remarried. And at that point, this woman's spirit found herself unwanted by her new family. She fell into working as a sex worker and unknown to her family and not mourned for by a single person, she committed suicide. Reverend Kaneda said the sutra, used holy water, and around 1 a.m. in the morning, Rumiko had snapped out of it and the family went home. Three days later, Rumiko was back with another spirit inside of her. Over that summer, Reverend Kaneda exercised 25 spirits from Rumiko after that first spirit of the young woman, all of the other spirits going forward were ghosts from the tsunami. As many as three spirits would appear in a single session. Reverend Kanae said that he talked to each spirit, sometimes for hours, listened to their grief, calmed them, and then using the sutra, led them out of Rumiku into the spiritual plane. Mm. This stuff is really 
it challenges my beliefs on the afterlife a bit. Cause in my mind, I, he's on the, he's the main focus of the unsolved mysteries episode. Right. I have no reason to doubt what he's saying. Not at all. He doesn't have a, there's no gimmick, you know, there's no reason to lie. Right. He's a 26th generation Buddhist priest. That's a long fucking time Mm -hmm. passed down through that family. And I believe in Talpas. I believe in the idea of Talpas and that and Talpas originated was then Buddhist. Like that's where that, that whole idea comes from. Okay. So I wonder if there's something like that going on here with grief being, you create it Mm -hmm. out of grief. Yeah. Or just out of But who's creating it then? Like the, the survivors for lost loved ones, maybe, but then he's experiencing it then. Like he's showing up and experiencing it too because they created this thing. Yeah, maybe. What about the the taxi drivers though? Like that's a weird one. I think it's like a maybe it's like this mass tulpa type idea that a whole enough people area are grieving. Pe- yeah, that it's like created the society of tulpa ghosts. And I mean, there's something to you know. Like the Philip experiment, you can will something into existence. You believe it to the point that it becomes real. The cab drivers are, after a while, willing to just drive these ghost places. So it's real to them enough so that they're going to pay the fare to drive. Yeah, that's the weird part. That's really, uh, these are strangers, guys who have no, no invested. But- interest in this that are saying then but i think it's an empathy thing like everyone in that area experienced loss with a family a friend or just someone they knew so when they realized i think what was happening they're probably happy to pay that toll that's what i'm saying though like just the fact that they're they're doing that and they're yeah. admitting to it like you i mean i guess like if that was if you heard that happening you wouldn't make a story up necessarily, or would you make a story up? Like these people, these people are just coming forward saying, this is what happened to me today. I drove from here to here, thought I was taking someone, but I was wrong. It was, you know, a spirit or whatever, but here's my fare. I'll pay it. Yeah. I mean, this, this whole story really challenges my beliefs on an afterlife. Cause I don't have, like I said, I don't have any reason to doubt what these people are saying or what what that reverend said but is it just a mass grief psychosis more or less potentially talpa at that point yeah maybe maybe is I mean, mass grief psychosis i just ex- made up, i made up that term just now no i understand but to, <laughs> to this extent more believable than it just being something i don't know i'm not questioning i'm just saying i, I don't know it questions everything I believe as well. Like those cab drivers, like there were, there were cab drivers in the, so they just, in certain areas, they would see just the dead walking around. Like, yeah, I can talk about all the stories, but as soon as it got dark, they would see the, the dead. And it was just pe- walking around. It was just souls wanting to, needing to know they were dead. Yeah. Because right? the way that, that, the, that one was like, am I dead? And then disappeared. Yeah. Because the way he, <sighs> The way that the reverend talks about it is like people just died in an instant. A lot of people, I mean, you're talking 50 seconds, right? That water rush in. So 
a lot of people just die in a second. A lot of kids just died in a second. There was a story about the woman who her young child died and she kept the toy, uh, a car of his. And when she would want, when it was time to eat dinner, they would sit down and she would say out loud to him, do you want, you know, are you ready to eat? And the toy would go off as like he was talking through the toy. Yeah. Is she able to will that toy to actually work? Right. So almost feel like this is the end of a episode conversation, but I'll forget by the time I get there. (laughs) So then like, why is it only like in Japan? Like we've had tragedy in the United States it, the same stuff doesn't happen. You don't hear reports of the same stuff. You don't hear reports after 9-11 of seeing souls walking through New York City. That was one of my questions because in 2004, there was a big tsunami in the Indian Ocean in Bali and in Indonesia where 230,000 people got killed. So, mm-hmm. you know, 10 times as many people as this. So I'm wondering if there were these same sorts of things or is this just kind of directly related to the, you know, the the legends and ancestral religions that exist in Japan. I don't know. I think it's a, could be a mix of a lot of things. It's hard to explain. Do you have to be open to it to experience it? I think so. I think there's another, there's an aspect of this too, that we're talking about a cultural things that have gone on for thousands of years. Like the idea of an Atalpa is thousands and thousands of years old. Um, just being open to that. I don't right. think we're open to that That's sort of I mean. thing here. We don't have open. that culture. Like if you so ask me happen. what go, you know, if I had any cultural ghosts, like no, we, no one has that over here really. But just does that cultural awareness facilitate it becoming reality? And that just goes back to how tulpas are created. Right. If we're not open to that thing, then maybe it doesn't happen. That's what I was thinking. Like, is it just like the, the yeah. Yeah. If you don't accept that if it's not a part of your culture, your beliefs, your traditions, then you just think, oh, when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. But the whole cultural thing over there is this thin veneer between different. the living and the dead. It's almost Very different. kind of on the same plane. Like we, like, well, like we, we, Ian talked about, like it's very respectful over there. Like here's what you kind of have to do when someone dies. We don't do that. Like, you know. Oh, we're an idiot culture. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if you listen there to is our no, show, there most is dead no bodies culture. are found in what? Yeah. Garbage bags? They're skull fucked? <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, they don't have like, any culture. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I take I take a lot of Japanese spirituality stuff serious. I know. You read this and you say, this seems legitimate, where if you read a similar story with some fucking hillbilly <laughs> in this country, you would, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. Okay. They take it more seriously. You, you really absolutely do. do. And that does put a different spin on it. It does. I'm not saying I believe it, but I'm saying it does 100% give it more credibility when people take it seriously and they're telling you, this is what we've experienced. Like, I know I keep saying it with the 26 generations. That is a long fucking time. This guy gives you no reason to say, okay, he's out to make a buck. Right. Like he's, he's, just a, he's in a, a temple. Story. He's a boost. There's no monk. reason why he has to do this. Well, we're going to hear more about this guy, but this guy is the epitome of what a religious leader should be in this country. He's like, yeah, well, he's the equivalent of like a Ted Nugent, like a good leader. <laughs> Absurd. 
But in this country, we get, you know, kid raping priests. We get fucking Joel Osteen. We get Joel Osteen ass clowns on private jets. <laughs> And, hey, and and con men speaking in tongues. This I guy's command the power of the spirit. Hey, yeah. Like this guy's what a religious leader should be. And what you're going to hear about him doing is like what a, a religious leader, a spiritual leader who's looking out for his community. Like we don't have that over here. We have fucking clowns. going around just helping people thinking yeah. these people might need some help. I'm going to go out and just guide them and yeah. see what and, and let them talk. We have profiteering fucking clown shows over here. That's what <laughs> passes for religious leaders in this country. Tell me about your troubles. Okay, that'll be if you if you like to leave a donation on my tip jar. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally different culture. By the way, if you'd like to tip us, patreon.com. <laughs> we also don't provide any guidance, spiritual, religious, <laughs> life, physical, mental, nature. Holla, holla. <laughs> Here to get drunk and listen to some Ja Rule. Have a good time. (laughs) The last part about um, Rumiku, who had the 25 spirits exercised from her. I'm just going to quote directly from the book. One of the first was a middle-aged man who, speaking through Rumiku, despairingly called the name of his daughter. Kaori said the voice. Kaori, I have to get Kaori. Where are you, Kaori? I have to get to the school. There's a tsunami coming. The man's daughter had been at work by the sea when the earthquake struck. He had rushed out of work and driven along the coast road to pick her up when the water had overtaken him. His agitation was intense. He was impatient and suspicious of Canada. That's the other thing, too. It's really fucking creepy about these uh, exorcism retellings is this Rumiku woman it would be a male's voice coming out of her. It was yeah. this man's voice coming out of her. That's super scary. The voice asked, am I alive or not? No, Kaneda said, you are dead. And how many people have died? The voice asked. 20,000 people died. Later, Kaneda asked him where he was. I'm at the bottom of the sea. It's very cold. Come up from the sea to the world of light, Kaneda said. But the light is so small, the man replied. There are bodies all around me, and I can't reach it. And who are you anyway? Who are you to lead me to the world of the light? Fucking terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Did you have consciousness in some other entity or body and like you realize you're laying at the bottom of the sea with all these other bodies no, around? Absolutely. No, no. Talking through a random woman no. that's living. Awful. Just cremate me, please. Make He's not that, having this. No. Dave, I'm not sure that will help, but will it? <sighs> This is getting rid of your body. This I don't shit think it scares fixes the this. fuck out of me. I don't like stuff like this. <laughs> no, 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 no. You better live forever, pal. I'm, I'm but you know what? The good news <laughs> is in America, we don't believe any of this, right? So we're just going to, you know. Well, yeah. Uh, Dave, correct. Best case scenario for you, you die and then someone's skull fucks your decapitated <laughs> head, right? That's Take not it. what I would classify as a best case scenario. No. Wait. But, I mean, you won't know. As long as I'm gone. You won't know. I don't want to regain consciousness and be at the bottom of the sea. It's true. That is very scary stuff. But I'm saying you wouldn't. You'd just be, you know, your head would just be skull fucked by some. That's fine. Body. As long as I don't know. What, I don't exactly. care. Exactly. That's Whatever. what I mean. You're just not <laughs> I just don't want to know. I want to be we gone. Re- we reject this in the United States. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's very scary. <laughs> but, again, there's, it's, there's. 
this aspect of the way they treat their dead is very cool. This was just based off a tragedy, right? Like if you have that proper farewell, if you have that proper respect, maybe there's something to be said for that. Like, what is that afterlife? Like this was the, the victims of people who were taken without having that due diligence, that ceremony, that respect. I don't know. It's, it's very cool to think about and to study. Mm. This is the dark side of that, right? Like very dark. I, I, I would, you know, I wonder what happens to like those people that pass that they give the respect to. What do they experience? What are those souls experience? Well, realistically, the afterlife cannot vary based on different countries on the, in, you know, on the planet. I agree. But we also said like, you know, is it what you pay attention to? Is it what you didn't? I mean, we said this earlier, like in, in the United States, we don't respect anybody. So fuck <laughs> it. When you're dead, you're dead. Like, you know. <laughs> Souls of souls. Get but the idea here. that that <laughs> aspect of it actually directly affects. I, I don't know if it does, but it is interesting. Like I'm I, like, yeah. And all I was pointing out is like, if this is the dark side of it, what's the good side of it? There's <laughs> no good side. The conversation went round and round for two hours. Eventually, Canada said, quote, you are a father. You understand the anxieties of a parent. Consider this girl whose body you have used. She has a father and a mother who are worried about her. Have you thought of that? There was a long pause, and the man said, You're right, then moaned. Kaneda chanted the sutra. He paused from time to time when the voice uttered choked sounds, but they faded to mumbles, and finally the man was gone. Eventually, Reverend Kaneda decided that he needed to travel to help people heal like no exorcism stuff just listen to people uh he and his fellow monks traveled around the local countryside stopping to set up meetings where people could drink tea eat cake and talk reverend Kaneda called these meetings cafe de monku in japanese monku means complaint and it's also a pun on the english word monk cafe de monku gave people an opportunity to talk about their grief and their feelings Regarding the Japanese people that were left to mourn the victims of the tsunami, Reverend Kaneda said, quote, People don't like to cry. They see it as selfish. Among those who are living in temporary homes, there's hardly anyone who hasn't lost a member of their family. Everyone's in the same boat, so they don't like to seem self-indulgent. But when they start talking and when you listen to them and sense their gritted teeth and their suffering, all the suffering they can't and won't express and the tears come, and they flow without end. And from the video of uh, Cafe Damanku, it's a pretty cool thing that he does. This is very cool. Mm-hmm. Seems like everybody's able to just get together and kind of... Again, hang. what a religious leader should look like. Yeah. And just a guy who's not out, like in the sense of these stories, he's not trying to make a buck. He's not trying to you know, get you to join his cult. If it wasn't for Richard Perry writing his book and already he, Richard Perry had lived in Japan for 18 years at that point. Yeah, right. So, I mean, if it wasn't for him writing this book on the phenomena, I don't know that the Unsolved Mysteries episode would be done. And I don't know if we'd really Nobody know, about, know about this. Guy. Nobody was reaching out to publicize this. No. And he wasn't looking for any of that. No, of course not. Yeah. There was one other um there was one other person that kind of looked into this phenomenon and wrote a book about it, but 
Um, he's Japanese. The book's in Japanese, and it's never been translated mm. to English. I wish it was. I want. I would love to read that book too. But it just seems like this is how mass trauma translates. It's a yeah mass Specific. trauma mixed with cultural right cultural beliefs or that are real like yeah a real culture not just oh i'm being haunted by a ghost yeah i have some i have a video clip of the tsunami warnings from that day i forgot to play it earlier but i just i think it's very eerie and then the video is just people walking around like someone's videotaping this and just walking around and this is fair I'm going to play it real quick. Yeah, play it. just has an eerie quality to it those those sirens are always eerie to me you just hear the we have those in our town like they go off the first saturday of every month and it's creepy to me when you want to hear those because it never means good things no like it's always a bad thing and that water's you know a minute away yeah yeah and in a minute you're not getting anywhere you're not getting anywhere within 50 seconds i don't know that i could get from this room to my car and it, get it started in 50 it seconds. It takes you along the process of what's happening. Like just picture yourself in your office or your, yeah. your home. The first 10 or that. 15 seconds, you're still processing like, right. Oh, this is real. And you got to go get, you know, get your keys, get whatever, get in the car. And then even then start the car, get out into what other people doing the exact same thing. And then you sit there. Like you have to watch the videos of this. It's it's just terrific. The sludge and it the water not and the feel good the houses watching. and the yeah. cars just going by. I mean, I think I read it was like two hundred and seventeen square miles of just devastation. Like some of that stuff's just gone. It's it's not even to this day. It's gone. Yeah, it's a wasteland. And in that unsolved mystery show, you see people. Like pointing, like that one he was pointing to where, you know, my house used to be here. This neighborhood was there. It's just, it's the wasteland. Nothing. It's just, nothing's there anymore. Yeah. I mean, it definitely challenges my beliefs on the afterlife, but I have no reason to doubt any of these stories, these accounts. I'm not sure it's real, but if you believe it's real, like what's real? If you see it, it's real to you what's real it's when you're and then you're also getting into like the realm of like uh 
like DMT type stuff where people are like, it's real to me. Like I see this entity here and I'm talking to it. So it's real now. Yeah. And maybe it's mass grief manifested into these, in, these right. uh, encounters. I mean, I believe in a fucking talking mongoose. I believe that that was manifested That's by true. a little you girl. Say so. that on, well, <laughs> you, you have no right to disregard anything else at, yeah. at, at that <laughs> point. It's all up for grabs at that point. But Patreon.com slash Necronomicon. Jeff's talking mongoose. <laughs> really, did we release that one? No. Jeff's a Patreon exclusive. Okay, good. As he should be. Jeff's a cool motherfucker. But it's just incredibly sad if you watch that Unsolved Mystery. The guy mm-hmm. they talked to, he found his what? Do you remember this guy? He found his wife in the woods mm-hmm. and then they found his daughter. And then like three weeks later, they found they were digging out some and they found his his infant daughter. Oh, yeah, like I don't know the, how the, the, the body count and it's awful. It's just awful. Yeah. I don't know how you just I don't know how you continue. Yeah. I don't know how you come back after that. Right. Or, this is a fucking depressing <laughs> episode. This is now. This was not supposed to be this. This was supposed to be a ghost story episode, right? I, I I would just say I understand how this kind of grief makes you. We took a wrong turn though in picking topics. I feel like, <laughs> like this was not what we expected initially. At least I didn't. It's interesting, and it, it it's just, very interesting. And it goes I, on because this the, a lot of stuff's not rebuilt yet. That Fukushima power plant that melted down and sent you know radiation clouds towards Tokyo. Is still an exclusion zone, I believe, just like Chernobyl. You can't go there. No, yeah, you can't. There was something, um, I think the show's called Dark Tourism, Dark Tourist, but there are places that'll, like tourist areas or services, whatever, that'll kind of sneak into that mm. into that area so you can see it. But you, I mean, you get in trouble if you get caught. When you get radiation poisoning. Yeah, because there's people, <laughs> like, they have their little gimmick things that tell them the radiation, and they start getting into, like, in close. And like, yeah, this is getting really high. Like, we should, yeah, we should probably right. leave. <laughs> and, that, yeah, like you said, that's a whole episode on its own. I know there's some mm. ghost stories with that as well. I know there was a school that was. I actually have that story. Oh, do you? Yeah. There you go. Oh, There's great. some more <laughs> sadness. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. The Ocala, uh, Ocala, not in Florida, the Ocala Elementary School. There's 74 students that died there. One mother of an Ocala student consulted with a psychic. They traveled together to the school grounds, and after the mother tied decorations into the surrounding bamboo trees, the psychic told her that the deceased children were, quote, delighted with them. So this is the whole thing with the bureaucracy of the school, I guess, and how they design the escape plans or the, you know, disaster planning. So a lot of people are not happy with the bureaucracy of whoever runs the school because all these kids died and yeah, didn't seem like they had proper planning to rescue them. The psychic also described horrifying scenes of the veneer between life and death, describing that the dead were, quote, crawling on the ground near the school. Some of them were stuck in water, covered in mud, swallowing the dirty water in terrible suffering. Some of them were trapped and trying to get out, the mother described. But another medium named Sumi told the mother a different story. You might think that the kids want their parents to find them, that they are desperate to go back home. But they are already home. 
you're already in a very good place. And the more you bury yourselves in a search, the more desperate you will become. So I don't know. You got one medium talking gloom and doom and another medium saying they're, you know, already in a great place. I feel like there could be some fuckery going on with those well, mediums. Yeah, you're talking about, <laughs> when you talk to me about mediums, there's it's, <laughs> medium equals fuckery. Like that's not. Uh, uh, yeah. Off to something else different yeah. here. It's definitely an interesting phenomenon. It's interesting that it happened it in this scenario, but it didn't happen like you brought up with World War II, things like that. Something. Or in 2004, the yeah. huge tsunami, 200,000, 230,000 people died. Something or in other countries, here. even. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen here when there's Pearl Harbor or 9 11. Is it or, a modern day thing? Doesn't seem like it. This seems like an ancient thing. But this is 2011, though, that this happened. But I mean, it's, it it's going back, back to the, the ancient but, kind of religions and traditions of Japan. Yeah. Like, if we had a but mass trauma be. thing like this, probably not. 9 11 like would when? be the closest, but not, not but to this nothing, scale. But there's nothing ever anything mm. like this. Yeah. Like, it's a unique situation, I think. I don't know. Watch the videos. It's uh, don't or don't watch the videos because it's also very it, upsetting. It, it's, like it's not. It's good. terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. All I can say is I hope we never experience uh, something like this. All right, Dave. I think you got some uh, shout outs. Thank you to Tanya Boyce, Tony Sauce, Karen Keel, Taylor Mack, Brian Rodriguez, Erica Kantz, Cheggers, Alex, Ryan Sanchez, Heather Halsey. Asheen Tiki Wantika Deltry Samek the third. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> Boom. Pee pee poo poo. <laughs> nailed that one too. <laughs> Amanda Foster. Ka dot Michael. Moran Dorcas. I want the gold. Give me the gold. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all see a leprechaun say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we just bring that up not too long ago? <laughs> one of the best videos of all time. <laughs> the amateur sketch drawing. Oh, yeah. It was about the ghost. Give me the ghost. And there's that guy with all the equipment. This has been passed down for generations of my family. <laughs> Summer Lee, Carrie Burakowski, Jessica McGraw, Joshua Kendrick, Leonard, Rensel Nodnarb, Shadel Aguilar, William Slight, John Hessig, Julie, Travis Whitlock, Steph Cushy, Joseph Nelson, Melissa Ott, Jenny Jan, Candace Jordan, Sally Smith, Erica, Consul Magno Hagardi, Socialist Dave is the man. Is that me? Are you a socialist? My socialist Dave now? Maybe, <laughs> maybe their name's Dave and they're just plugging themselves. Well, all right, maybe. All right. We'll never know. Katie Lee Lulu, The Hamburglar, Tyler Stevens, Rocky, Travis Burks, Boston, Stephanie Bishop, Galil, Jason Hayes, Eric Freeman, Rhonda Helvey, Marisol Gonzalez de Carvalho, Sarah H., Jacqueline Small, Pitt County Kardashian, Aaron Hicks, Magic, Hillary Flockhart, Trista Rosine, Kathy York, Vanessa Nicole A, Joe and Shelby, Kelly Drew, Stephanie, Michaela C, Rail Me Ian, 
Nice. Um. USA. USA. <laughs> holla, holla. <laughs> Ashlyn Robbins. Bosley James. Christina. Paprozik. Paprozik. And Heather. Thank you, patrons, very much. I think that second to the last one misspelled Prozac. Paprozak. Paprozik. Paprozik. No, I agree. Holla, holla. Listen to our show. <laughs> what do you got, Ian? For iTunes, I have one for Haley Double D's. Ash Robbins, 14. I'm a hooker. Pretty sure I'm a hooker has uh, given multiple reviews. Nice. I think she keeps updating. Appreciate it. I'm a hooker. Is she saying good things? Oh, yeah, for sure. M Summer. Ash MC6. Ailey Sawyer, Plastic Beaches. I thought you were going to say Plastic Beaver. <laughs> what are you talking about? Clackerstain. <laughs> Mazando. Mace Windu from Star Wars. <laughs> what are you about? <laughs> and OB John Kenobi. Thank you, guys. Oh, look, Star Wars. How about that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. What? What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Uh, any international reviews? I have a couple. I have Youngish Mum, The Buzzy, and Kitty Cat Charlotte, all from Great Britain. Look at that. Thanks, Brits. Appreciate that. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, at Necronomapod. Remember, if you are a member or veteran of the United States uh, military, Please let us know. We'd love to give you a shout out. We appreciate your service. Um, let us know, and uh, you know we'll mention you on air. Uh, what I what else? YouTube? Did I say YouTube? Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Spring is where our merch is. You can check that out on any of our uh, social links. And if you go to Necronomapod.com, there's a direct link. We have all kinds of good stuff there, and more stuff still to come. Um, thank you all very much. We appreciate you guys listening. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers. <laughs>